Welcome, citizen, to the Watchtower. My name is Gary. And my name is Ben, and we'll be your guides as you peruse the archives of the world's greatest superhero group, the Justice League. And we hope that you'll join us on today's adventure. Welcome to episode 42, The Terror Beyond, part 2. The Justice League gets some hot backstory about Cthulhu and how the ancient king of Atlantis sealed sealed it away. Feeling unwarranted compassion for Solomon Grundy, they agree to take the fight to Cthulhu, which is totally an appropriately scaled conflict. They split up for plot-necessary reasons, leaving Hawkgirl, Dr. Fate, and Grundy to confront him. Grundy takes the old backdoor access to the heart of Cthulhu, while uh, Hawkgirl is tied up in a way that does not feel uh, uh, safe for work. (laughs) Right. Uh, Grundy smash, uh, and then Hawkgirl smash, and then Grundy die, uh, and, uh, they, uh, they end up defeating Cthulhu, and they, uh, they all go home. Yep. That's more or less it. Grundy die and Hawkgirl cry. <laughs> Grundy gonna die, Hawkgirl gonna cry. <laughs> I don't know much about Thanagarians, but I know that Hawkgirl's gonna cry. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you didn't know a lot about Thanagarians, boy, do I have the episode for you. <laughs> Gary, we've been teasing this Thanagar lore for a while, and yeah. I was kind of interested in the part of it where, like, we learn why Hawkgirl isn't on Thanagar. Mm-hmm. We don't get that. No. What we get instead is a lot of Cthulhu stuff. Yeah. And I don't know how you feel about it. Not as great. Like Thanagar lore. Uh, not great. I the cards on the table. I don't like this one very much, and I don't really want to talk about it. But I'm obligated to. <laughs> you have to. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine the episode that comes after Gorilla City, where we're like, whoa, 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 this is a little too much. <laughs> this is a little too out there, guys. Right. Like we we've we've done the worst. We know yeah. we can get through it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for sure. And I don't think this is as bad as Gorilla City, but I just, I just don't love it. Um, I find it more funny than good. Yeah. So I got through a lot of it on the merits of, I can't believe that we're trying to do this in Justice League. (laughs) Right. Uh, but I, I will agree with you. This is not a good episode (laughs) and it is a very weird, dumb plot. Yeah. And um, and the plot's yeah. kind of lacking. It's a lot of like just visuals. Cut it seems to, like, and this happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Visuals and 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 scene jumps. It's suffering a lot from the problem the first episode had, which mm-hmm. is like it gets compounded in this one, which is that I I don't know why I care about any of the things that are happening. Right. I get I get that it's bad. The medium is communicating to me that this is a bad dude, mm-hmm. but I don't know why I should care, and what would really have gotten me through it is decent Thanagar lore. Right. And we get something with Thanagar. Those are Thanagarian runes. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go like Wormface zaps Dr. Fate and she goes and gives him the assist, Mm -hmm. holds up her mace. He grabs it and they both start chanting in Thanagarian. Right. So they open the door for here's your Thanagar lore. And then they just shut it again. (laughs) Or they don't shut it, but they, like, open it a crack to let, like, a breath of air in, and it kind of smells like it's garbage day, and then they shut it. <laughs> yeah, they're being really cruel to us, is, is, is just the simple <laughs> it's, way to it's put it. It's to us specifically at this, I know, at this I know. point. We cared enough to make a podcast about this show. They didn't care enough to explain this to us. It's, it's just... That's how causality works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 20 years down the line. Do you um, want to give me your take on uh, try to summarize for me what the backstory here is with poseidon and dr fate and thanagar and cthulhu i'm not gonna do a good job because i i, I wasn't following like what i, well, I want to hear it through the prism of somebody who was very uninvested <laughs> um i i don't know like uh I didn't get it. I mean, I just, I don't know how to describe it other than the fact that, yeah, like they're tied together by loose threads that don't matter. They're so loose. I I don't blame you for not getting it. I had to write the notes down and then like shore them up to make sure that it was, you know, um, logical. Right, right. And was it? 
Okay, so this is as best as I can understand it. Dr. Fate is giving the backstory here. Right. Atlantis is king. Mm-hmm. Uh, was 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 beefing with all the old ones who were like these deities that are invading territory on Earth. Right. And in order to banish them all away, he manifests from... He, he uses like a Goku spirit bomb technique to manifest a magical trident that will seal all of them away, including the big bad, right. like Fool 2, who is Cthulhu, essentially. And this causes Atlantis to sink in order to protect the world. So we get kind of a nice inversion of the thing that Aquaman does, which is like, I'm forsaking the world to protect Atlantis. Right. Uh, his his ancestor did the opposite, which is nice, even yeah. though it doesn't go anywhere. And it's kind of cool that like a lot of the old ones, including Lovecraft's Cthulhu, is a sea monster. Mm-hmm. Like he lives in the depths. He right. lives underwater, as I understand. I mean, as close to as an underwater as you can really get with that non-Euclidean geometry. So the idea that it's Atlantis that's connected to it, I kind of dig. Right. Um, but then we get how Hawkgirl is connected, and she's like, oh, my people from Thanagar, a planet that you haven't heard about nor will hear about for the rest of this episode, <laughs> worshipped this Earth demon mm-hmm. as a deity because it brought us math and architecture and agriculture and all that stuff. Okay. But then we stopped worshipping it. So... It's just coincidence that, like, is it, co- like, how how could it not be coincidence that Hawkgirl happened to be from a people that worshipped a demon that Earth sealed away? Like, those mm. are separate planets. Right. I'm pretty sure they're thousands of light years apart. And the fact that there's still a big mystery of how did this Hawkgirl get to this Earth? So it would be inconceivable for it now not to be related <laughs> to Cthulhu. Right. And I know that it's not going to end up being related to Cthulhu because this feels like such a bottle episode. But, <laughs> oh man, it's it's just really wild that it's connected to Hawkgirl in any way. <laughs> yeah, so I followed the initial connection, but once it got to her, I was just kind of like, hands in the air, I'm... I'm yeah, just going to watch the pretty pictures. Yeah. What What am I supposed to do with the fact that Hawkgirl knows Cthulhu? <laughs> right. It's it's what, weird. What does it mean? I, I don't know, and and I still don't really really know. I think we needed to make this a Hawkgirl episode, uh-huh. or an Aquaman episode. I think this could have been a neat, decent Aquaman arc. Yeah. Uh, if we just put the focus totally on him, but Doctor Fate, Hawkgirl, Grundy, like, there's a lot of big players that get their own their own kind of glamour shots and mm-hmm. uh yeah I, I i don't want to underplay grundy either because i think that he's actually a crucial piece in this arc that i never <laughs> really <laughs> saw coming they really go out of their way to make strong dude an important part <laughs> of the resolution <laughs> right um but yeah just that's the background here. We don't know why the connection of Hawkgirl to Cthulhu is brought up other than that it it allows in for that religion conversation which happens in a bit. Right. So just just recognize that we're going forward with an extreme amount of skepticism that this plot <laughs> is going to resolve okay. Right. So new plan, go fuck up a deity. Yep. Aquaman pieces out. <laughs> that, which is very consistent with his character, oh, yeah. by the no. way. I wrote that. Uh, Aquaman continues to be a selfish badass. Yeah, A+. plus. Yeah. I would not have wanted him to be gung-ho. No. <laughs> and uh, we, we go to the other world, which looks kind of tame for a chaos realm, but we do get that inverted color scheme. We get the floating rocks going everywhere. It's, it's fine. Right. Right. This um, is where it really becomes a regular show. Oh, a, yeah? An, a second reference that you won't understand, but... <laughs> That's true. I gotta watch it just so I understand all your references. We do get a fun little Superman Grundy moment where Superman goes off to fly, presumably in a random direction to go find that Cthulhu, and <laughs> Dr. Fate is like, please don't split up from here. You don't right. know what you're looking at. We really need to stick together. Mm-hmm. And Grundy walks off, and I i swear, there's a little smirk from him at Superman getting chewed out. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure, yeah. He's just like, I see that. grundy I saw, I saw that happen. <laughs> witnessed 
cut to get ready for that sentence get ready for that comment a lot cut yeah. to aquaman can't communicate with the sea life and it freaks him out mm-hmm. i think that's kind of cool actually uh that he instinctively kn- so i was worried a little bit when a- aquaman was like i'm not gonna help because i need to go protect atlantis because it didn't seem like there was anything in atlantis that needed protecting at the moment right. but aquaman lore atlantis's king had beef with the old ones if the old ones are coming back they're probably gonna go fuck up atlantis that it actually makes perfect sense that's true yeah they could have communicated it better but <laughs> i i like that i like where his head's at yeah cut to hawk girl talking about religion <laughs> hawk girl was very upfront about her people casting off religion when the price was too high okay yeah doesn't go anywhere uh cut to mouth hands <laughs> right all right, and this is what I'm here for, Gary. If yeah. we're doing Lovecraft, we're going to get some odd-looking things, and I like it. Yeah, some Pan's Labyrinth, uh, Guillermo del Toro kind of nonsense. These are great. They're like these these zombos, but no heads, right. and they have mouths on their hands that scream. Yes. It's so good. Yeah. I, like I liked almost nothing about this second part, but I did like the visuals a lot. The designs on some of these goobers are, are pretty good. Mm-hmm. I have less nice things to say about the monster fish, but the hand mouths are very are very good. Yeah, the monster fish were uh, disappointing. Very disappointing. <laughs> How do you feel about this um, Hawk Girl Grundy soft spot kind of thing? Um, I think it carries the the second half of this arc, or the of, of I'll say the second half of the second half <laughs> yeah second quarter yeah. of the arc the, the last 11 minutes of this arc yeah yeah it, it has the emotional weight of yeah. the story embedded in that relationship it, it there it isn't anywhere else by the no. way no it, it's, it it's comes only out of there. nowhere they tiptoed into the religion bit they tiptoed in the atlantis bit right none of it's emotionally resonant right this grundy hawk girl thing is good yeah i think that they're going for a I, I've lost something of myself somewhere along the way, and I don't know how to get it back. Kind of vibe, right? Yeah, and and they're also just very straightforward. I want the thing. I'll go between me and everything in the way t- in order to achieve it. I, I I like the odd friendship. I guess is the way I'd put it. Yeah, strange companions for sure. I, I think that Definitely. the. I, I think that, you know, Grundy literally lost his soul and Hawkgirl figuratively did. And I think that that's kind of a nice connection that they share. I agree with the caveat of lost his soul is meaningless fluff words. <laughs> like, what does that mean? He got reincarnated as a zombie. Right. It Like, I think that there is some backstory about uh, Solomon Grundy. Uh, if you will permit me to go to my character highlight. I was hoping that you this would be him and not the Cthulhu guy, so... Uh, no, I got nothing to say about it. Thultu. It's Thultu. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, uh, Solomon Grundy apparently always suffers from a curse that brings him back to life. In some canons, it's self-inflicted because I think he might have committed suicide. I'm not sure on that one. But, uh, yeah, this is a big DC villain. He's very common in Batman, Superman kind of stuff. Created by Alfred Bester, he first appeared in All-American Comics number 61 of October 1944. Big Smash Boy era. 44? That long? Wow. Yeah, I I was surprised as well. He seems like a newer addition, or at least a newer, more utilized component. Right, right, Like, old Superman villain, you think, you know, Lex Luthor, Brainiac, etc. Yeah. No, this guy was back there. I don't think that he was really in a lot of Superman stuff that early though or or at least it, i don't i haven't seen a lot that's tied directly to superman it's more just like more of the justice society of america he's like a villain for the group he's part of the legion of doom that kind of thing right right so i, I don't think he really because he can't really carry the plot on his own most of the time uh do you know where the term solomon grundy came from it's a poem, right, or something? I was thinking I should look into this before we start the episode, and I thought, no, I bet Ben will tell me. I, I do. I will. Uh, yeah, it is indeed a poem. You are correct. It is a traditional nursery rhyme that dates back to the 19th century England, hmm. and the lyrics were first recorded in uh, 1842. Wow. 
So, and, and by the fairy tale collector James Orchard Hallowell Phillips. And it was translated from a bunch of different languages. It's a nursery rhyme, so you have kids playing it on the playground, playing patty cake, being like Solomon Grundy, born on a Monday, uh, christened on Tuesday, married on Wednesday, took ill on Thursday, uh, uh, got uh, sick on Friday, uh, no, uh, died on a Saturday, died on a Friday, buried on Saturday, something on Sunday, and that was the tale of Solomon Grundy, something like that. Mm. I could have looked up the full lyrics, but I think I got most of it. I'm going to give myself an 80% on that one. <laughs> the fact that it's a nursery rhyme led to Solomon Grundy being utilized as a boogeyman of sorts. Right. And so you can start to see where the name takes its meaning from. The reason, like, well, we need a big, strong guy who used to be dead. Solomon Grundy is in the cultural lexicon, so they just used it as his name. This is the boogeyman from 18th century nursery rhymes. Wow. Is is, is this guy. That's wild. Yeah. Um, There's also some mistaken entomology about where his name came from, because I think it's like... uh, Salmingunda or something like it's like a like a Jamaican food, but I, I think that's just incidental. Hmm. Wow. Um, but yeah, in, in DC Comics, he was actually originally a mobster, as I said in last episode in the 1930s, and uh, he was reincarnated from a magic slash chemical bog. The way this affects him mechanically, whenever he's going to die, he comes back. I think he's got like some sort of weird core that like replicates around him. It's it's not clear how he died in this episode, given that that's his canonical thing. But um, he's resistant to damage, magic, energy, kind of everything. He's just kind of like a big resistant golem. Right. Uh, but he's also portrayed kind of as a Lenny, can I pet the rabbit kind of figure. <laughs> you know? Yep. Um, he's also uh, very similar to the Hulk. Right. And uh, let me bring back in Amalgam com- Comics, which merged the two together as the Skulk. The Sulk? The Skulk. <laughs> the the Sulk, Sulk is something else. Okay. <laughs> He's That's sad. the emo version. Yeah, that's sad Solomon. <laughs> in his goth phase. <laughs> he got teardrop tattoos because they told him they'd, they'd make him look tough, but he didn't understand what they meant, so they just became really sad. Aww. I can't read that story. I'll be too, em- too torn up. <laughs> Uh, I only have one other thing to say about Solomon Grundy, and I want to save that for after you give me your takes on Solomon Grundy. Do you have any familiarity with this character, other than just, like, biff- biffing with the Justice League? No, I mean, it's it's fitting you say Incredible Hulk, because that's always the vibe that I've gotten from him. Um, he does I mean, Hulk speak. Yeah, it, it's Hulk speak, and it's, uh, you know, he's large dude, mostly makes a habit of smashing things. I mean, there's there's it's easy to draw the lines. Doesn't he say in this episode... Um, Grundy smash? He might, but I think that he's he calls Hawkgirl Birdnose, which yeah. I think is cute. Mm-hmm. And uh, she then says Birdnose goes smash when That's she's right. going to go do something else, which is also cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, I love odd friendships. I, I do too, and this show does them well. Very well. Most of the time. Yeah, eh, most of the time. Uh, my last... Are you, uh, I'm wondering if I can pull out a pop culture music reference uh, from ben- from underneath you. Okay. Uh, relating to Solomon Grundy. Are you familiar with the Crash Test Dummies song, <laughs> A Song for Superman? I very much am, yes. Okay, so then you know the whole chorus of that song, which is... Uh, Superman never made any money Saving from Solomon Grundy. Uh, and apparently that was used in the song just because the lead singer Brad Roberts couldn't think of any other supervillains that rhymed with money. <laughs> really? Yep. I, I mean, I love that line. I, I think it's great. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a big CTD fan, so uh, you, you won't pull that one past me. But Damn, I was hoping I could snake it from you, but you were there before me. <laughs> yep. You're, you're probably like the top commenter on that thread. The crash test, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Besides Brad himself. <laughs> God, I love that vocal performance. Like that, it's so unique. It reminds me of the cranberries. Just like, yeah. man, no one does what you do. No, no. Uh, anyway, yeah. that is all I have to say about the Solomon Grundy character. And we are ready to get back into the show. I guess. Cut to. 
Cut to uh, <laughs> monster fish taken. What? Okay, so they're 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 traipsing along a peculiarly narrow, like a peculiarly stairway shape. Like, it reminded me of the dragon road from uh, Dragon Ball that uh, Goku walks down in order to get to King Kai's place. Like it's just a, an amorphous long ass road through a bunch of nothing. Right. You know, so that they're walking through it. Apparently, maybe Dr. Fate is directing them. We don't know. <laughs> On the horizon, what appears, but a bunch of monster fish that are flying through the sky, taking what looks to be a congested highway into Atlantis. Did you notice this? They're not coming in from all directions. They're like beelining it. Oh, yeah. It It's like a... a a strict cylinder, no more than three monster fish wide, and they're all just beelining toward a spot in the sky. It looks so stupid. Yes. Like, God damn it! Like this is the Cthulhu <laughs> episode. We're in nightmare space. Why are your fish just like? And they don't look that cool, even. Mm-hmm. You know, I I almost dodged that bullet. I had to go wash my hands, and I was like, I'll just leave it playing. But I walked back in the room just in time to see that stupid visual, and I was like, ugh. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, you could have had a bunch of different cool designs, but it's all vaguely the same design that is, like, color palette shifted and then copy-pasted a bunch. It sucks. It's so lazy. Yeah, and this is, we're in Lovecraft space. Like, I wouldn't get torn up about, like, the copy-paste any other episode, Mm -hmm. but you're doing a Lovecraft episode for this purpose you you showed us mouth hands you yep. we know you know what you should be doing here <laughs> right and and we will soon see a bigger fish uh who is you know very unique looking um just to <laughs> just to fish tease you a little bit I, I, this is so it, it's so dull like i mean the design of the fish itself is cool but yeah when you just copy paste and make it a different color it's not interesting I was willing to give it a pass for the color shifted maroon weird like um you know uh like crazy Martian landscape painting kind of vibe that they were going for. I I was right. kind of into that. It was like good enough. Mm-hmm. And then they gave me mouth hands. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, we we we're we're walking into some Lovecraft and this just like totally cut the wind out of my sails. Yep. Cut to they they get there. <laughs> Right. Uh, and, and they like say Superman, Wonder Woman, you go deal with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the rest of us can have tender moments together. Like, right. cause you're no longer emotionally relevant. So you'd need to leave. Yep. It's, it's, it was as lazy as the, um, the, the, the Easter Island had in the last episode. Like right. th- this is the utility of this point is you need to be out of the plot now. Right. Yep. Um, but they, they they meet up with Cthulhu, and they're like, "Where is he? He's everywhere." No, he's not. He's he's right there in front of us. Like, why are they saying it's everywhere again? You're doing a Lovecraft episode. You know he should be everywhere. <laughs> why can't you you muster the energy to make your animation suit that, guys? Mm-hmm. It's a fair question. <laughs> Damn. Of which I had an answer. It's just it's so disappointing. It is disappointing because they got me jazzed about it. I'm I'm into yeah. Lovecraft concepts and visual representation in general, and this is just very bland for Lovecraft. I feel like honestly, I feel like they ran out of time or it budget or something. Like, I, I get that animators do have to work with constraints. I understand the copy yes. paste. This is Lovecraft. Yeah. You can do better. I know. <laughs> you know, you can be in like a. Night, you can you can be like sucked into a wormhole and then deposited into an an Escherverse where there's like mouths and eyes and 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 tentacles everywhere. Like mm-hmm. it could literally be everywhere. You know, it's supposed to be everywhere. <laughs> I'm sorry, Gary. I'm getting so I'm getting so upset. It's okay. Um, let's uh, let's get you back to good. Um, let's do it. Let's let's with a very now. unpleasant <laughs> shot of Hawkgirl being bound by tentacles. Yes, <laughs> this happens. Uh, so yeah, this sequence, uh, Cthulhu comes down and talks to them in a way that a Cthulhu wouldn't, uh, <laughs> and says, "Oh, you're a Thanagarian. They suck, uh, right? but at least they're on my radar. The rest of you two fight some Cthulhu beasts." 
Mm-hmm. And Hawkgirl says her name for the first time. Yeah. Which I took note of. Sierra Hole. And um, that is good because yeah. this is an episode about reclaiming a lost identity, which, oh. granted, they, they, they should have done more with. But yeah. the, the notion of her stating it out loud, I think, is, is thematically resonant. Mm-hmm. So I, I was into that. That is very cool. And I got I to gotta throw this out there. The uh, voice of Ixthol 2 is Rob Zombie, who is a musician slash director. Isn't he, isn't he what pilots the Dragula? He, he is what pilots the Dragula, okay. yes. Did I yeah. use the correct verb there? You did, I guess. Uh, he digs through the ditches and burns through the witches. I saw a Twitter post a while back that i just found was very funny um which is that uh the only true feminist is rob zombie for saying uh the lines in dragula without rhyming with bitches (laughs) like by avoiding that rhyme he is the only feminist that is fair Uh, I, I just I thought that was weird because I, I know of him as a director. I know of him as like a film guy, but like I did not know he did voices. So, yeah. And you know more about the voice acting world than I do. Did it sound like a competent read? Because I, I don't think anything would have satisfied me here. Uh, it was fine, but it's like, why are you going to pace? I'm assuming he got paid uh, at least a decent amount, but maybe it was fans or like maybe he just loves DC and wanted to be a part of it. But like. They they took his voice and they pitched it and they did all sorts of weird things with it. So it was like, why would you pay someone who's famous just to do that uh, with his voice? Um, but if you're going to have Rob Zombie in your DC property, why not make him an evil sky demon? I mean, that that's that seems fair. I suppose. I think I would have gotten more out of it if it was uh, if the, if it, it was he was speaking Thanagarian, right? And we got subtitles, right? Right. That that would be cool. Um, I, yeah, Especially because, like, we just heard him say, you two people of Earth are beneath my notice. I want to talk to the Thanagarian only. So right. it would have made perfect sense. Yeah, I, I, I can absolutely agree with that. Uh, but yeah, what do you, how do you feel about hentai? <laughs> Tentacle <laughs> hentai. Because that's... <laughs> Look, I don't know a different way to say it, Gary. That's what we're dealing with. That's what's going on. Yes. Yeah. Um, she gets grappled by a bunch of tentacles, and then she's being held like like, like uh, drawn by carriages style, right. one limb in every direction by a bunch of tentacles. Like, I know enough about that world to recognize a scene that looks like tentacle hentai when I see it. Yes. I I only sort of knew that tentacle bondage was a thing, uh, but it's definitely. <laughs> oh yeah, because they're because um uh the way Japan works, as I understand it, the pornography industry won't let you show penises. Correct. So they had to work around that, and they did it with tentacles, and then it became its own fetish. Oh okay. Which did I not. think is actually kind of, you know, kind of cool in a way. Like right. That, you know, human sexuality can be so imposed upon to just like find that appealing because this isn't available right right that 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 is interesting and and now i know the history of it so i can uh check that off my list i can i can tell you're trying to stop the conversation about tentacle hentai but i'm not ready to do so yet (laughs) do you think they knew what they were doing i think that they've shown enough dirty humor throughout this series you know with with like gl's alien spank mag and things of that nature that like i I don't think it's above them i don't think it's above them either i just wonder how uh willfully this was done yeah that that's a good question i don't know i like to think that like an animator knew what they were doing and then none of their managers (laughs) called them on it because they didn't understand what they were looking at (laughs) right i mean and clearly nothing happens she doesn't like there there is no actual sexual assault no. transpiring which is why we can be so cavalier about it but it is a very clear lead into what could you know result in a hentai tentacle thing so right. i i felt that it's so explicit gary that yeah. we couldn't not talk about it i don't know is this any creepier than the tentacles going into john's eyes in the first episode or the first arc uh, 
No, it, I mean, certainly less invasive than, than that uh, particular that? Uh, travesty. I, I don't know if that was sexual in nature for, and I'm going to call it again out again, um, the, oh, what was the thing's name? The Imperium. The Imperium, yeah. God damn. <laughs> you just don't know how to name your shit, guys. <laughs> That's why you can't take over Earth, is because you're bad at naming conventions. That's right. Surprised this guy's name wasn't Ixthol 2's. Just... They can't get the singular plural right. Oh. <laughs> oh, 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 boy. Uh, anyways. What a reach. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Hawkgirl says, you know, we, we didn't, we, we didn't, we stopped worshiping you because we didn't need you anymore. We outgrew you. Mm-hmm. And that kind of goes along with her self-deterministic streak, her individuality, mm-hmm. again, her identity. Uh, we do not belong to you. We are, you know, kind of our own people. I still don't know how much Hawkgirl's supposed to know about her own past. I, I thought that it was kind of a semi-amnesiac situation, but now I'm not so sure. She seems to know a lot. Yeah, and may- maybe maybe it just took facing off with this thing to jar the memory, so to speak. I don't know. I, I think that it's more probable that she just hasn't had a reason to bring it up and she's kind of been trying to ignore the fact that she's homesick. Right. That that, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, but, but this does lead me to believe that there, she knows most of her home planet and culture and identity and stuff. She just doesn't know. She might not know how she got to Earth. Mm-hmm. That's the That maintains the big question mark. And the, 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 the arc does nothing to address it. So, right, right. You know. Maybe someday. There's there. They're there. <laughs> uh, anyway, they have that big cool speech, and uh, somebody says the secret word, uh, soul. And, man, this, this drove me up a fucking wall, Gary. Because <laughs> uh, Grundy hears the word soul, and a switch flips in his brain. Soul? That's what I'm looking for. Right. And tying the very, very disparate threads of this plot into a big tangle to get uh, to get him to the final scene of action. Mm-hmm. D- does, does Grundy misunderstand where his soul went? And what does that mean to... Like, I don't understand what soul means in this context, and neither do they. And it feels really reachy t- for them to be pulling on that idea in order to motivate solomon like we just don't know enough about him i think i don't know (laughs) i i I think it's fair to say that i was basically checked out at this point um but i i I like where the soul talk goes to a certain degree but i don't like getting there in in what capacity well just you know i i think that uh when 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 grundy dies and then and then uh, Hawkgirl is figuring out religion or whatever it is that she's, mm-hmm. you know, resolving with. Um, I think there's something kind of touching there. Yeah, there is something touching there. And I, I like Grundy's motivation of, I don't know what is driving me and I want to find it out. Mm-hmm. But it isn't connected to Cthulhu. No. I assume, unless he was in that bog all along. Like, right. that isn't... <laughs> Is that the reason that he invaded Earth? Is that he wanted, like, bog privileges? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to make this make sense, Gary. Okay, so one thing that I remember was, or not remember, but, like, the way that I took it was whenever Dr. Fate flashed back to Grundy's past and made him recall, I think that that was where he realized that his soul was missing. And then somebody said the word, and he just kind of put a name to a, a, a thing. But oh man! I don't know. I really, I almost would have preferred uh, Cthulhu was still in that bog, yeah. And so they're connected like that because otherwise, it just, it just means that he's being motivated by the word, and it's not connected to him at all, and that just feels dumb to me. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just nitpicking at this point. What else do you have to do? <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> yeah, they're not giving us. Gotta a lot keep of... my hands. Gotta huh. keep my hands busy somehow. Right. Uh, but yeah, he gets stabbed a little, and he finds the big alien-looking gooey center of Cthulhu. Mm. We're we're fully off the rails. Yeah, this is. Uh, uh, I I kind of couldn't believe that this was Justice League anymore. No, this is Looney Tunes. Yeah, seriously, this looks like it's out of Space Jam. Yeah, right. And the the way that Solomon Grundy gets into him, mm-hmm. like 
he just jumps on a nearby floating rock and punches his way inside Cthulhu, who is apparently not looking. Right. Yeah. Well, I don't think Cthulhu could do a lot. He does send like little leeches or something after he him, but literally summoned ground monsters and then yeah. tied up Hawk Girl. Right. He he's the controller of this universe. Yes. Yeah, I feel like there's something that he should be able to do about a Grundy pounding into his skull. I, I, I reckon so, but I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, he fights a big bug demon. Mm-hmm. It it happens. He finishes fighting it, and then there's this big crystal prism behind the bug demon, and he wants to smash it <laughs> in order to get his soul back, which we don't know what that means, and he doesn't seem to either. Mm-hmm. He's just like... It's it's just really bad and confusing. Yeah, I, uh, I I I don't like anything that happens here. the 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 one thing that I can say is that like it's violent. This is a very oh, violent yeah. episode between punching through something's skull to get to its insides, <laughs> essentially, and then ripping them apart. And then yeah, uh, the 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 bug inner boss. You know, you fight the outer boss, and then it was Lavos in the middle the entire time. Right. Uh, this this inner boss, uh, he he takes apart by breaking one of its claws and then using that to stab it in the head. Mm-hmm. That is straight up from Berserk. Like I think that might just be ripped right from Berserk. I'm serious <laughs> here. <laughs> the same sequence happens. See that that was what. That was the big fish that I was referring to later because I actually thought that it was like an orca monster. Oh yeah, with the with the black design of it and and everything, but it has pinchers, so you know. Clearly, it looks like it looks a little bit like an alien. A little bit, like yeah. uh, like alien versus predator or or what have you. Yeah, yeah, it kind of does. Yeah, you know, it's it's very insectoid and and with the pinchers, like mm-hmm. a like a like a like a scyther that uh you know uh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to end this. <laughs> Neither did they. Hey. hey. Um, yeah. Let's, so let's get to this this finale sequence where Grundy is poisoned. Presumably, he's injured. Right. So Hawkroll rushes inside because uh, she, you know, Cthulhu's distracted. So she she gets out of the is is hentai grip mm-hmm. and goes inside and says, "Don't worry, buddy. I'll finish him off for you because they're 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 buds now." Uh, and she's about to smash the crystal, and it says, Ikthultu still has faith in you. Don't do this. Mm. And she says, so do I. I still have faith in me, is is what that means. Right. We were nowhere near a fucking crisis of faith in oneself. There was, <laughs> this means nothing to the character. Right. Like it, this is the this is the moment. They they phrase it as a she's overcoming some uh, inconsistency in her in her faith, some some reckoning in herself that is going on. Yep. The identity was called out early in the episode. It's been a whole theme, but we didn't actually do any of the buildup of a crisis of doubt that would have led to this. It is completely absent. Yep. So like, and like that more than anything bothered me about the episode because they knew they needed a payoff sounding moment but it yep. wasn't connected at all right and yeah, yeah so grundy dies grundy and, dies but they do circle back to the faith thing <laughs> they do circle back once but they it's have not time. the same kind of faith i don't think it's no, faith in it's, a deity ver- rather than oneself it's it's in t- like i said they're not connected no. at all no none of this thing makes sense yeah, but Grundy's about to die, and uh, he's like, "Do you think I'll get to meet my soul?" And it's like, we're we're talking about heaven now. He's he's yep. we're specifically saying, "Is there an afterlife for me?" Yeah. And she almost doesn't tell him. Like she almost goes like, "Well, I don't believe in a." And then he gives that big goobery smile, and she's like, "Yeah, I'm I'm sure you will." Yeah. With because she's uh, she's not a monster. She's you know her ego is is strong but it's not more important than giving a dying man comfort right right and she is like the niagara falls of tears at this point i mean they are streaming which it's i mean presumably it's probably the first time she's cried in years she's not john stewart watching old yeller you know crying his eyes out to his vhs tape at home but like you know this is it's meaningful in a way this 
Yeah, this this emotional payoff works. Mm-hmm. I they just wish def- the lead up were better. It just they went off in a lot of random tributaries and and side streets in in order to finally funnel back to the highway that we needed to get to. Right. Uh, so it was just like a, a confusing metaphor with the whole crisis of self thing that wasn't really heralded. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, no, it's good. I like that she's showing that amount of emotion for somebody she has affection to. Yeah. Because, like, earlier in the episode, she and Grundy were kind of palling around because they have something in common, and they were joking, or she was joking to him. I don't know if he got it. Right. <laughs> and that is the degree of affection that she tends to have for her teammates. Mm-hmm. Like, they're my friends, so I'll joke with them. And that's that's the extent of what we got, except for maybe, like, a couple conversations with GL. Right. But she hasn't faced a friend dying before. So this being the first example of, like, real emotional vulnerability from her is very, very well earned. Yeah, I agree. Cut to. Cut to. <laughs> Credits. Um. Yeah, m- oh, more or less. We, we're in less. a graveyard, and they're, they're all oh, standing yeah. by um, Superman doing the very cute head bowed in prayer, arm like, hands, like, holding his hands in... in in somber repose as farmers do yeah it just looked real appropriate on him it did um but and uh yeah she we, we're in front of solomon grundy's tombstone uh and uh she says uh, she and 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 uh and wonder woman circle back to that faith thing again yeah i actually don't love this okay just because it doesn't feel like a hawk girl it feels like she's oblivious to the meaning of faith which didn't really fit with the whole we've cast you off because you were no longer relevant to us kind right. of like i i always read her from the context of this episode as no yeah faith is fine for those who have it i just don't want it right it didn't read to me as a i don't understand what faith and religion mean to a person whom they're important to that that wasn't the vibe that i got mm interesting yeah i hadn't thought about it uh in that regard i don't know flows okay um it flows it was just yeah it was just a little bit um inconsistent to how i was seeing her it's vague enough to work for me and and i it is it is vague i'll grant you that yeah but i don't know the the, this whole thing is is so frustrating should we get into uh episode highlight i guess we'll do that like put some positive in in our lives right now well it's not the episode highlight but well i guess i will yeah, you know, I'll make this my episode highlight. Why not? Okay. Uh, I I like the epitaph. Solomon Grundy, born on a Monday. That's oh, yeah. just a cute cute in joke that they didn't say for the entirety of the Solomon Grundy arc, and they got it in at the buzzer. Right. Like, I, yeah. I think they knew they had to do it somewhere, and this was a very good put to part to put it in. Yes. Uh, cut back to because I I sort of led you away from that. <laughs> yeah. As uh, that's the closing shot of the episode is his his tombstone. Yes. And um yeah, that was cute. I like that. Mm-hmm. Um for me uh, maybe I should have gone first cuz yours is better. Uh oh. <laughs> for me there there was just this 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 moment that I thought was kind of funny where I don't even remember what they were fighting against, but anyways like Aquaman like jumps through the air and Wonder Woman catches him and she's like holding him like a cat essentially under the <laughs> arms as he's like fighting these things and I thought that was a a, a neat little bit. Um I- I mean, any time that one of our Justice League is carrying someone who can't fly is so good. I know. When it's Batman, when it's The Flash, when it's anyone, it just works. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I guess let's let's talk about this thing as a whole. Let's, let's break this sucker down more than yeah. we already have. So I think the thing that I liked about the first part was that I thought it was going somewhere. Like I had, I had no reason not to assume the worst until I remembered that that's what Justice League does. <laughs> they make really bad finales sometimes, and and once we yeah. got to the second part, and I realized that every piece that I liked that was set up in the first one wasn't there and didn't matter. It's like, oh, this. <laughs> I'll, I'll grant you, the first was better, and it also had some tantalizing Thanagar details that I wanted more of. Yep it was still kind of busy and it like had a lot of narrative threads that didn't go anywhere, but at yeah. least it was, it was headed in a good direction. Mm-hmm. And, and then, then it turned out that direction was up a downward staircase into a door that goes into a different dimension with other rules of gravity. You right. know? With some weird fish guys who are just a lot of different colors. 
It's just the same fish guy copy pasted. Right, right. Redfish, bluefish, evil fish, monster fish. <laughs> I, God, I, I hate how much I hate this second half. It's bad. It's bad, Gary. I didn't like the first half very much. Like I'd still put it in the lower half of episodes, but at right. least it was like harmless. Right. I found the second half harmful, <laughs> and Fair. I'll tell you why. Is because, and I already said it, but I want to like round this out with like a big summary. You're doing a Lovecraft arc. Yeah. That is what you are doing. Yeah. So the fact that you're not using that to its fullest extent, uh, hand mouths aside, um, <laughs> is just, is is confusing, one. And also, like, it's, it's a diversion of resources. Mm-hmm. We have all this stuff with Dr. Fade and Aquaman, and I, I love Aquaman. I, I'll have him as a bit player. Yeah. But, and the emotional stuff is, is good. Uh, with with hawk girl and grundy that's the soul of this episode is the hawk girl grundy stuff right i needed a little bit more of that i needed more about the identity stuff and i needed that to be able to connect to cthulhu in some way it didn't do that right so my brain was fighting with itself it's like am i treating this as a they're having fun with lovecraft episode or am i treating it as a thanagar lore dump episode and i think either one of those would have worked yeah but uh they either just didn't have the the chops to bear it out or they got their wires crossed or i don't know um it just it left me feeling cheated Mm -hmm. ultimately i can say the same thing i mean it's 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 a letdown for sure yeah Um, but we do get a lot of good superman moments in the first one and that that sustains me yeah and a lot of good hawk girl uh bits of bits of sass I think it really speaks to the strength of Hawkgirl as a character that we don't blame any of this on Hawkgirl. Like her, you know, we're pretty consistent actually with like holding characters to account when they're doing off-model stuff. Like with Superman and Darkseid, we didn't like that. No, all the anger was really weird. It was strange, yeah. But John Jones, even when he's in episodes that don't really work very well, he's always John Jones. He's Mm -hmm. always very consistent. Mm -hmm. Same with. Aquaman. Right. Even in this episode, I think that his character really sells. Mm-hmm. Even Hawkgirl, even though she's doing a bunch of stuff about Faith that doesn't really tie into the identity thing that we were talking about, even though those those halves don't really meet, right. her character's really consistent. They just don't really nail the landing on any of these uh any of these any of these whatever they're doing. You're right. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm still happy that we got to see a lot of Hawkgirl. Agreed. Um, her and Grundy are cute. <laughs> they are. It's, it's interesting too, cause like, uh, normally whenever there's only like two or three players in the first act, more come in in the second, but this is it. This is three. Like we only yeah. get three. And I think that's a nice, you know, not overcomplicating it. Cause imagine how much worse it could have got if they had brought flash or green lantern in on this story. You know, I agree. Yeah, yeah. It was. It's a. It's a nice tight core cast. It made it really feel like a, a yellow brick road to Oz right. in the second <laughs> half. <laughs> like where we got our core group and we're following a road to a place. If I only had a soul. Yeah. <laughs> that, nice. That's good. <laughs> Gary, you did it. Thank you. I. Yeah. I guess that's that. I'm. I'm. I'm glad to close the books on this one. And. Uh, yeah. Not great, but. No. Uh, had some good moments in it and that is enough sometimes yeah still better than dark side oh yeah there i mean that might be our new least favorite episode to be <laughs> it honest could be <laughs> okay so what is your we've already done episode highlight let me yeah uh, we're all good we we, can, we, are, we can close the book we are good why do i want to linger any longer i don't know i i guess you're feeling unfulfilled uh, i suppose a, a, a hole that perhaps only religion might fill hmm Maybe so. Maybe so. <laughs> <laughs> Let's ruminate on that. Uh, but yeah, next yeah. time we are doing uh, the next arc, which is called Secret Society. Secret Society. Okay. Uh, it's got Clayface. Oh, cool. Uh, I'm I'm going to give you no other... I think it's got an Injustice Guild of sorts, so... Okay. Well, with the Secret that'll... Society, it better be some sort of ragtag team. Yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping Lex is uh is at the front and being talked down to by his compatriots. <laughs> Fingers that is what crossed. I want. 
Fingers crossed. Let me ask you, because normally you bring it up. Did you remember this episode from uh, watching the show originally? I did not. It, okay. Like, I would be amazed what my younger self would have thought of it. They probably would have been like, oh, man. Like, if it's anytime you encounter your first Lovecraft, mm-hmm. that's a special moment. Mm. You know? Like, yeah. you don't know that they can do this stuff with stories and animation right. until it's brought to your attention. So, like, I think I would have been a lot warmer on it as a kid. Right. But uh, knowing the limitations of uh, trying to pull this off, yeah. yeah. I'm glad I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I won't soon forget it, and that is unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but all right, so until Secret Society, Ben, where can people find you? People can find me on Thanagar. No, I won't be taking further questions. Uh, and I am doing my podcast uh, about uh, old cartoons called The Cartoncast. I do it with my brother. And you can find us at fancybat.com slash cartoncast. And Gary, where can people find you? Well, now that I know that legendary nursery rhyme character Solomon Grundy is, in fact, in the DC universe, I'm trying to figure out where the Muffin Man fits in. <laughs> Uh, probably probably in Flash's Rogues Gallery, I'm assuming. Yeah, but when I'm not saying stupid things like that, I can be found mm-hmm. at the Wax Nostalgic Network saying stupid things over there. Yeah. Uh, links for everything are in the show notes. Sort of a constant with you. A little bit, yep. yep. Yeah. I don't <laughs> understand Lovecraft, and I say stupid things. Well, you certainly won't now. <laughs> I'm just a big old ding-dong, Ben. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... Thanks for uh, thanks for joining me on this journey of weird, and uh, hopefully next time will be a little better for us. Thank you for listening to the Watchtower. To find out more about this show or any of our other shows, visit us on the web at www.waxnostalgicnetwork.com.